Hello and welcome to the Codec Moments podcast. My name's Andy Brown and I'm here today with the lovely Ali Cornwolf. Hello. How you doing? I'm good, thank you. Excellent. Yeah, nice. Nice to uh, be back together after uh, we both got shunned last week while Matt spoke to uh, our good friend Stu Cullen about Formula One. I know. Yeah, how rude is that that I wasn't there? I know, right? Shocking. Yeah. Shocking. Good podcast though. If you uh, if you've not listened to it, even if you're not a big fan of Formula One games, it's uh, it's really interesting to hear about the iterations in the series and the development mm. of it, um, and also a good bit about the Fanatec wheels, which was nice. Yes, yeah, they are some amazing bits of kit, but they also come with amazing price tag. Not cheap. Yeah, no. give you that one. Uh, okay. Yeah. So today, what are we here to talk about? Um, so we were just like having a, a random discussion as we do. And we're talking about various consoles that define the generation or what define them. Um, so we're talking about the N64 today, the Nintendo 64. Lovely. So that was what released around about 1996. I want to. I want to say yes. Yep. Okay. So what's your what's your experience with the N64 then? Well, this is. I'll, I'll put this one out there straight away. This is the most random. But is I've sunk a lot of time into one but never owned one. Oh my god that, that makes two yeah. of us um <laughs> i think i went down the playstation route but my mate had I've, everyone's got a mate that's got everything uh, and he had that and we played that a lot and when he went on holiday and different things or was just bored of it because he's got an attention span of a gnat he just lent it me so i've kind of owned one if you like but i've played it so much it was the console we always used to this was in my my younger days so we used to go and have sleepovers around my mate's house and just stay up all night playing golden eye and getting yourself in a mess with all the cables and just playing all the random awesome games that, that came out on that console you see i was an amiga owner so i oh. i never owned an n64 um in fact the, the only console i'd had other than that was the master system oh okay yeah yeah uh and a Game Boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but the N64, I think, was an absolutely mind-blowing console when it was yes. released. So we're thinking, like, back in 1996. It's the it's the console that basically kind of set up the current console generations that we have in terms of, of what they can do and, and some of the great leaps of faith that were, were taken on there. Yeah. Um, in, terms of, in terms of the technology that it had, uh, let's let's talk just a little bit about the console itself and and how it was kind of slightly groundbreaking at the time when it came out. Yeah, yeah, massively. Um, so for a start, it was the the first console since, and we've had to Google this and find out what it is. <laughs> Ballyastricade from nineteen seventy seven, which I'm sure Stuart Neil will probably have in his loft somewhere. But it's the the first console to actually have more than two controller ports without having to use a a tap. A, a multi-tap that a lot of the other consoles went down the Saturns, the Playstations and things. I'm sure we've all owned one. And I think with the PlayStation one, couldn't you multi-tap a multi-tap at one point for some games for track and field, I think. Do you know, I, I can't even remember. Yeah. I remember something like that. Or there was something you could do with a multi-tap to hack games if you I like don't, not hack games but do something in the game i don't think i ever when i had a playstation i don't think we ever had any games that had that many people able to play at the same time or that many people together oh, you've not you've not lived playing <laughs> to, to multi-tap a multi-tap yeah <laughs> um but yeah it was it was ridiculous obviously it brought the 
the cartridge system. It stayed with that. It had uh, a memory expansion, which had the uh, the grand total of four megabytes. Yeah, so that yeah, but that, I mean that basically doubled the system memory. Yeah. And in '96 on a on a console, that's phenomenal. Yeah, and and I think it's the only console. Um, someone might be able to correct me if I'm wrong. That's had a modular upgrade port in it. I'm sure someone will correct you. Yeah, yeah, but tweeted <laughs> if I'm wrong, but it's at least not something that's not common these days. Yeah, because you you could also have the um, the rumble packs on them, which were removable yeah. on the controllers as well, and the controller was just insane. That yes, that kind of like Triton Spear. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> it's a bizarre, a very very bizarre kind of layout, but it worked. It's a lot of things with the N64. It was like that's mental, but it worked. I suppose it's like it's kind of like the the precursor of the twin sticks. It's just a shame that you you kind of had the choice of either or. And I remember that being the awkward thing about playing Goldeneye is you still had to use a key press to aim. Yes, yeah. With it was the Z button underneath, wasn't it? And then using your thumbs, depending on what. Because yeah. I used to have, I can't. I used to use what was what was dubbed the Duke Nukem controls. So when Duke Nukem came onto the N sixty four. You, I used my left hand on the D-pad and my right hand was on the thumbstick. And on N64, I can't. It had some. They had some weird names for the the setups on that. Um, but yeah, that that was interesting playing those kinds of games because you didn't really use any other buttons. And now, when you think about it, using a D-pad, a thumbstick, and maybe two buttons—that's a lot. Crazy. Um, so it had some other pretty fascinating accessories. It might have been one of the first consoles to have backwards compatibility or that kind of thing. It had a like a transfer pack between um, the Game Boy, so, uh, Game Boy Color and the normal Game Boy for Pokemon Stadium. But it also had a special cartridge that you could plug in so you could play Game Boy games on your TV as well. Pretty impressive for its, its time as well, like a little converter cartridge, if you like. Oh, there was also a disk drive version that was released in Japan. Um, which was like a massive flop, but it gave it the the functionality to go online and use online services. And I think the only thing that was ever really up and running was uh, some kind of like Mario painting game. Right, yeah. But I think the idea was that they, they were looking to do um, the precursor of, of online gaming for consoles using that, Yeah, um, yeah. which is just amazing. <laughs> yeah, the different things. There's a lot of it didn't make it to to the mainstream or to the Western market, but there's so many different accessories that you could buy for this console. Uh, there's yeah, a voice could, recognition unit and yeah, you could, cameras you could, and all sorts of stuff. You could plug in a keyboard and mouse to that disk drive unit as well, so um, you could you could kind of compete with the, the PC gaming in that respect at that time. Yeah, I, it, it's just cool. It was nice, and it. I think the other thing about it is the we we want to talk about kind of games that defined the console. And I think yep. for me, I don't know about you, for me there are three that stand out. Ooh. I reckon. Got it. And I think the key the key to like the successful, the really big, the well remembered N sixty four games are the ones that there's one that's out on its own, which I'd already briefly mentioned earlier, so we'll we'll come back to that. But the two games the two games for me that really, really define the N sixty four and what it was kind of about are two games that kind of successfully took Nintendo's own 2D franchises and successfully turned them into unstoppable 3D monsters. Yeah. So for me, it's Super Mario 64. Yep. And 
Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Yes, definitely. Yeah, Ocarina of Time's got to be in there for anybody. Uh, which was just a phenomenal game. A game that I bought recently, well, I say recently, a couple of years back, when um, when I bought a new 3DS. I thought, I've got to have Ocarina of Time yeah. right on that. Yeah, fantastic game. Yeah, and then Super Mario 64, which really was, was probably the first, first successful, really, 3D console game i want to say the you know the first one that took a big franchise and made it into a well-polished successful 3d game yeah yeah they really embraced that that 3d aspect on this console and um you were you were was you spinning the world all right round or you kind of the way you ran around different bits and it was very like running across a ball kind of thing it's quite it's quite well polished in that they um i'd seem to recall they used the movement of the camera and the movement of the world to reveal elements of the either objectives or elements of things they wanted to highlight were done through the world in camera as well yeah. um, to help you get a, get a sense of the the world around you and, and what it was. It wasn't just one constant 3D perspective. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. You know, it, was, it was a really great use of, of the technology for its day as well. And apparently, <laughs> this is something I read earlier, apparently it had been in development at the same time as Ocarina of Time. And um, Ocarina of Time took about two years longer. So they stole like a load of the puzzles from Ocarina of Time and used them in Super Mario World wow. <laughs> 64. That's mental. So that amused me greatly. So what was your other game that you briefly mentioned? The other game that I briefly mentioned um, is Goldeneye. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, and to a lesser extent, Perfect Dark, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Perfect Dark was, was good, slightly different, but... I think anybody that's owned an N64, even if they didn't like it, which shame on them if they didn't like it, but everyone's played Goldeneye. And I don't think there'd be another shooter like it. The problem for me, and this is what I have with with older games, is I struggle to go back to them and play them in that state because what it sounds daft and, and what I'm about to explain will be uh, an, an, an alleyism, if you like. But I feel like my brain automatically upgrades what i thought the game looked like no that's 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 the normal human condition you kind of you you smooth over the rough edges in in your mind and you you give it polish that probably wasn't there it's you know hence the the term rose tinted glasses yeah yeah um i i'm exactly the same i i'm i'm like you i have a fond memory for games on previous consoles but i'm not a retro gamer i'm not someone who would go back and have the patience to actually play a lot yeah, of these it games. Was janky as f- to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> Especially doing slaps with odd job and I mean stuff like that just wouldn't fly in this day and age. Um, no, but it was great. it was a phenomenal it was developed by Rare, wasn't it? And it was just yep. a phenomenal game when it came out. It, it kind of um first person shooters were um were becoming established on the PC. I think Doom had come out what about four years before? Yes, possibly. So yeah. we had a lot of Doom, from what I remember, we had a lot of Doom clones, and this is one of the first games that really set a first-person shooter in in a kind of realistic backdrop. You know, gave it yep. gave it that kind of touch of realism, and also did it on a console. There was a lot of interesting development options and choices, and I think one of the things that they did there, people might not do this now as easily, but they basically they designed like the level first as a space and we're like yeah this looks good this is nice let's do that and it was only after they'd kind of actually built the level they'd go right so 
uh, where are we going to start? Where are we going to finish? And how are we going to work our way through it? Yeah. Yeah, crazy. And I guess it's there might be something else, but I, it's the most successful, I would say it's the most successful movie franchise that's had a game associated to it. So obviously we, we've had, we're now getting movies that have been developed off the back of a game rampage and stuff like that and the Pikachu film and stuff, but the the games always come first, whereas a lot of games, although me and Matt love Wolverine, a lot of games that come after the film can be a bit rubbish and a bit eh. yeah and i think i think that's the thing i think they were lucky in the license that they had because yeah. it's not a straight retelling of the golden eye story i mean the all the plot elements are there but actually a lot of them are expanded upon in the game you 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 play a lot of sections in the game that bond had no involvement in in the actual film or yeah. very little involvement in what i think one of the is it the bathhouse Yes. Scene where you're yeah. fighting your way through the bathhouse. And you just think, well, this is this is literally come from one brief reference where he has that fight with, with Honor Top. Mm-hmm. And that's that's all it is in the movie. It's just it's just one scene and it's it's fleshed out to become yeah. an entire level. And I think it's I, 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 it's probably the first first person shooter game that encouraged speed running as well. Because you had different levels of how quickly you complete the levels to get I want to say double O level, but I'm not sure if it might. Have yeah, been. It was was it agent, secret agent, and double O? I think with a with a yeah. skill difficulty. And, and obviously, weren't they? if you went through and did every level at double O agent, it unlocked something at the, the for the multiplayer or something else that you could play. And I mean, everyone's done multiplayer and facility and just put proxy mines everywhere <laughs> and waited for someone to walk in and stuff. Guilty. Yeah. Um, the yeah i I totally and that, that multiplayer element of it being on a console um the ease of you know in a in a an era when there were good first person shooters on pc but if you wanted to go and play them it involved having a land party yep at somebody's house and that that plug in and play couch co-op in a, a first person shooter like that it was brilliant gray and i yep. played so much of that and and how ridiculous is this? Not not to compare sizes, Andy, because it, it's not that kind of podcast. But um, I, I've got a fifty-inch TV. I presume you've got something similar, maybe no, bigger. No, I've, no, I've, I've just got the old forty-two. Forty-two. Yeah, I've got okay. a I've got a wife and a child, mate. I, 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 I have size <laughs> restrictions placed upon well, me. I presume T. Well, I, I say presume, but most TVs back then weren't even that big. Back in the day, where there was four of us huddled around a thing, trying not to look at each other's quarter of the screen yeah, and you, you've got to think a lot of these will have been in bedrooms as well yeah, on, yeah. on little portable sets that yeah and it's just crazy to think that now i know it's probably because it's we're all bigger as well so having four grown blokes or, or, or females you know if they want to join in um sat around my tv now it would just be like it's a bit sweaty in here boys <laughs> but it, you've got a bigger tv for it but back then you're probably looking at 30 inches maybe if you were lucky Oh, not even not even that. I would I would expect they were measured differently on CRTs anyway, weren't they? I think yeah, because of the curvature and stuff. But it, 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 yeah, it, just a, an amazing game. But it was only like a, a, what was it three twenty by two forty screen resolution anyway, wasn't it? I think the yeah. the expansion pack enabled you to have up to um, like six forty by four eighty. Mm. You think that's not even it's not even really quite DVD quality. <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> so, and yeah. and not all, not all the games are, are expansion pack 
enabled anyway, were they? No, there was I only think. about five or six. Um, five or which six. I was quite surprised at. So the only ones that actually five or six that required it, and then a a couple of others that benefited from it. Yeah, so the ones that required it were Donkey Kong sixty four, uh, Majora's Mask, and Perfect Dark for the single player mode. But then there is a whole raft of other games that it gives you high res and and different things, and and it made it look better and run better, um, which is so, nice. So essentially, it was it's the precursor to the PlayStation Pro and the uh, the Xbox One X. Yeah, but they just thought ahead about let's just put this hole that people put the fingers in and go, what was this for? And then they still go, here you go, put this thing in it. That is essentially my sexual awakenings. <laughs> Crazy stuff. But I think, like you say, the the GoldenEye one is the one that, or one of the, it was the one that kind of really pushed the first person shooter market forward. And what we spawned loads of stuff. We had Turok and all sorts of games like that that kind of spawned off the back of it. Oh yeah, Turok 2 was good. Yeah. 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 And I think if I remember rightly, um the only good thing to come out of the Star Wars prequels, I think it was on the N64, was the Pod Racer game, which was good fun, where you had to do up your pod racer and race them. And I think you could do split screen on that as well. I can't I'm afraid to say I can't say I played that one. It was good fun. If it if it wasn't on that, I do apologise. But I'm fairly certain that I remember sat playing the, the pod racer game on the N sixty four. Um, but just just a couple of games that I, I wanted to mention that I had loads of fun playing as well. Star Fox 64. Oh, yeah, that was good. You see, I, yeah. I I was thinking about a few of these, and I I have to say a lot of them that I was kind of thinking, oh, yeah, I remember that one, I remember that one. I was thinking of the SNES versions. Oh, okay. So, like, the original Star Fox and Pilot Wings was the other one I kind of thought of. Mm. I was like, oh, yeah, Pilot Wings was massive. But I thought, no, was it the SNES version of that that was really, really huge? I know Pilot Wings 64 did well. But yeah. I think I think my I think my benchmark is how much did they use it on Games Master? <laughs> yeah, for challenges. Yeah, because yeah. I remember on Star Fox you had to you had to fly through the the rings and different things, and you could do the loop the loops and and all sorts of stuff. And I, I had quite a lot of fun with that. Do a barrel roll. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other one was Diddy Kong Racing, which was another rare classic, and I actually preferred this over Mario Kart. You had the little go-karts you also had the little planes that you flew you had hovercrafts uh, and all these different i think you had little bikes as well and it, it was more fun i felt than mario kart you, you had more fun with these and um i think you could have all the vehicles or different vehicles on the same level and you took a different path and collected the bananas and, and different things like that and my mate that actually owned the n64 loved loved that game so we ended up playing that a lot um, and that was that was a staple of my childhood was playing Diddy, Diddy Kong Racing, which was good fun. There was one more game I was going to mention, um, which is completely random, but I enjoyed it, um, which was WWF No Mercy. So it was one of the first WWE games where you could yeah, actually I remember. change your attire for the entrance. And it's where they really start to lean into the customization and everyone just put Edge's trench coat on because it it was cool, amazing. yeah, and and it, it, I just really enjoyed that, and I, I, I sunk a lot of hours into I sunk a lot of hours into a lot of these games, just playing them with my mates and whatnot. But that one was another one that stood out for me, where they they pushed the boundaries of a game, um, and I think that was was that back in the day when the the WWF games were a little bit 
all over because you had a few like Warzone and stuff on the PlayStation, but this one was a an N64 exclusive. And I'm not sure if other people could develop for them and stuff, but it, it was good fun anyway. Enjoyed it. Yeah, some of those early WWF games are just awesome though. Yeah. Is it? I, I got put in detention for one of those games once at school. <laughs> so there was a a long story short there was a song in one of them that said i've got my eye on you and me and this lad that was sat next to played it a lot and then um, the teacher just went i've got my eye on you too and we went do do and just started singing this song back to it and you and you and you <laughs> it was one of like the the custom built-in songs and yeah we both got to put in detention for it <laughs> but it's so well, worth it totally worth it yeah <laughs> yeah so I think we'd uh, I think we'd ask people what their opinion on um, N sixty four games was as well. Yep. And then oh Matt's so Matt's Matt's responded. He says he played a lot of GoldenEye, Star Fox, uh, and even Touch of Mario sixty four. But he says that wasn't a great student social game. Because um, Matt would have been about forty, I think, the time that the N sixty four came out. Uh, lots of shouts for GoldenEye, Adam Frankel, yep. um, Square Freak. Uh oh, Stephen Barnett says Jet Force Gemini. Did you ever play that? Oh, good co op. I did, no. Good co op game at uni. I've never, I, Jet I Force need to. Gemini. The, the name rings a bell, but I can't say it's one of those ones that really, really sticks in, in my mind. And another shout for, uh, another shout for Ocarina of Time from uh, David Vingenius. That's Ooh. a good Twitter handle. Um, a, a guy that, that I race with. Ross, he said Goldeneye, another one for that. V-Rally, forgot that was on there. Oh, um, yeah, good shout. Another one for Mario Kart 64, Pokemon Snap. So he's <laughs> leaning into Stuart Neal's territory in Pokemon Stadium. I think the consensus seems to be it's Goldeneye, really. Yeah, it's the winner, <laughs> hands down. I think your point about the speedrunning earlier was a, was a good one. The fact there's still like quite a healthy uh, speedrunning community for, for Goldeneye. What are we now? Yeah, 20, 23 years later. Would you take a a remaster of it or or not? Because it's one of the... Well, if, if someone did actually remake it, I know there's a lot of licensing issues with Rare and blah, 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 blah. But would you would you take it? Would you would you want it or not? Well, there was, there was a kind of... Well, there was a version of it uh, almost 10 years ago now, wasn't there? I think, was it 2010 on the PS3? On the Switch. On the PS3. Was it the PS3? Yeah, there was a there was a um a GoldenEye Reloaded. Oh yes, there was, yeah. Um but it was it was essentially like a Call of Duty game. Yeah. It was alright, but it I it didn't have the I don't know if it had the charm of the original. But like you say, yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of polish that goes on in your mind. <laughs> Would you be tempted to pick one up and give it a go? What 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 I, I know I know you say that you're not you know, like me, you 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 appreciate the fact that you give things a mental polish, and um, you probably wouldn't appreciate it as much. But have you ever have you ever thought, oh, I really want to do that. I really want to play that game. Yes and no. Um, I, my wife used to be friendly with someone else, and who had a like a retro gaming room and stuff, um, not so long back. And I, I played on the N sixty four then, so we're already talking maybe four or five years ago, and it was good to revisit it but then i was like oh this is not painful but i'm just used to the polish these days and how they look how they control how they feel there's a lot you you, you it gives you a greater appreciation for what we actually get 
in today's day and age. And some of these young whippersnappers that are very quick to have a go at a dev because of the, the loot drop rate in something, things like that. Imagine not being able to turn your head and move at the same time. <laughs> yeah, and, and you kind of think, you kind of just want to go, please, you don't know, you've been born, son. And it, it kind of makes you appreciate games more. And I don't know whether I would buy one because I think I'd just pick it up for 50 quid with a handful of games and then be disappointed and it would just sit in a cupboard. I think I think I would... I'd like to play it for one drunken night with my friends all together, couch oh, yeah. co-op, and then I think, like you say, I think it would just probably sit in a box and not be uh, not be given the attention it deserves. Yeah. So all you need to do is invite Stuart Neal, chip in a tenner for his bag that he has to check in so he can bring it with him, and jobs are good. <laughs> Sounds like a really good idea, actually. Right, okay, there we go. Uh, yeah. Pizza and N64 party in my house. Yeah, I'll bring the beer. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> Kev will bring right. <laughs> if you're uh, if you're up for joining us for our N64 party then uh, actually we should do this and record that that would probably be a better episode yeah. <laughs> hopefully Kev won't break his ankle this time tripping <laughs> over all the wires <laughs> like yeah like you say you, your mind plays evil tricks on you and then suddenly you're you're like yeah that was amazing and and I think that's why I don't go back because I like my memories if they are as they are you know it when the N64 was out, I was young, <laughs> 14 maybe, something like that, I think. Was it, you say it was 99? 96. Came out. 96. I was 11. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and you can't you can't replace those memories. And I, I don't know as whether I would want to. But yeah, so N64 party at my house. Anyone who wants to come along, you can uh, tweet me at clinicalandy or you can tweet Ali. Yep, at Cornwall. Uh, or you can just generically tweet Matt um, because he, he yeah. actually has the at Codec Moments handle on Twitter. Yep, he takes all complaints as yeah. well. Do you think Do you think he's going to listen to this before other people? Should we get people to tweet him something really random? <laughs> yeah, I can't believe they said that in that episode about your match. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you listen to this, take the opportunity to just send at Codec Moments a quick tweet now and say something along the lines of, I can't believe you finally caved and bought an Xbox. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good to me. Yeah, and, uh, and we'll see, we'll see what he says. So, yeah, so uh, brilliant. <laughs> you should leave us alone. It's so, so childish. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. Thanks. Thanks very much. Um, we'll uh, we'll organise that in sixty four pizza party. And uh, until then, uh, have a good week. Next week we'll be back with an episode talking about some of the reviews that we've had on the site. Uh, if you want to go and see yeah. those, check out codecmoments.com uh, and we'll be just having a bit of an update about the games we've been playing. So uh, why don't you tweet us and let us know what you've been playing as well. Lovely. Right. We'll see you then. Bye. In a bizzle. <laughs>